Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 97 for Monday, July 13th, 2020. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixariffs, and joining me, as always, is the inhabitant of the nether, Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel! <laughs> that I am. Uh, and if you would like to hear this inhabitant of the nether talk about things with Johnny, like getting new stuff and what to do with the new stuff, as well as streaming Minecraft and streaming other things on Twitch, then you should listen to The Render Distance. It's the pre-show conversation that Johnny and I have every week, and it is part of the extended version of the podcast. You can get it at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. And speaking of Patreon, uh, there's been so much excitement leading off this month in the first two weeks of the Nether update release, the Azuma Void interview last week, that we haven't had a chance to thank are now 190 patrons. That's incredible. Uh, you might notice the lack of advertising on this show, and that's because of you guys. It's because of the 190 people that support us financially. We can't thank you enough. It has allowed Johnny and I uh, the opportunity to do this podcast and, and put the time in to make it a really quality show for you guys, and we really appreciate it, and we want to say thank you uh, for all of that. Also, last week, record downloads like record downloads for the Azuma interview. Uh, so welcome to all the new listeners. I hope you're enjoying the Spawn Chunks and hope you're going to be sticking around for a while because we're not stopping anytime soon. And thanks again to Azuma for joining us and for doing his part in promoting the show. Uh, we got a shout out in the Hermitcraft episode, which is pretty cool. But also, yeah, he's been sharing links to the show on Twitter and everything like that. We also got our first fan art on Twitter. I don't know if you spotted that, but that was a very cool thing to receive. Somebody like drew us with, uh, I think, like cups of coffee and microphones and stuff. And so that was that was very cool to see. Yeah, it had like the sponge chunks, like a uh, soundbar behind it. Like yeah. it had like the logo. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, saw, I think I was streaming. I think I liked it because. I didn't have time to reply but yeah no it was very cool it's nice it's always nice to see that kind of stuff I love um inspiring new artists to do um fan art stuff like that it's great absolutely uh we're going to keep today's quick login a little bit more brief because I think we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about our experiences with the 116 nether update now that you've updated the citadel and this week I've been uh getting to grips with a nether survival challenge uh in bedrock edition but I, I want to talk a little bit more about that and how it has reframed my perspective on this update because it's a really interesting way to play. Uh, so without getting too far in depth, uh, what have you been up to in Minecraft this week? So I'll say on the technical side here, we'll get into the gameplay stuff later. We are on 116 on the server. Uh, took a couple times to trim the chunks, but everything is looking and functioning well. We still run into some odd, really strange chunk borders, but it just gives you a little bit of fun landscaping to do with another if you decide to, uh, to, to tweak that. Or, um, as we discussed last week, sometimes servers have rules where you have to go out farther from the main area if you want to harvest a lot of the blocks and kind of like destroy a new nether biome. Well, you have a really good excuse when the new nether biome has very hard 16 by 16 chunk borders. <laughs> mm -hmm. feel free to mine away and soften that up a little bit so yep. that's i did a little bit of that got a, got my hands full of some basalt and some blackstone that i'm planning for a future project that i'll talk about later in the show um i updated optifine to preview two and then preview three preview four was released uh july 11th i'll have a link to that in the show notes as well uh optifine.net for people that don't know um i'm finding preview two operating better and I don't know what the development process is for Optifine, but I tried Preview 3 on the weekend and I could only last a couple hours. I had to switch back to Preview 2. So um, it's not quite as as um, helpful as I was hoping. The other thing I do find is that um, 
the less noisy the texture the better for me yeah. in terms of um in terms of what i'm doing tasks also matter um things like bone mealing and collecting things in a very small area where you're moving your mouse around quickly in a frequent manner not good yeah um where slabbing the nether where it's mostly dark even with optifine um offhand lighting from your from a torch in your dynamic lighting yeah yeah. sorry dynamic lighting even from dynamic lighting it's still not that bright so slabbing the nether not a problem because i can't really see the detail for it to go fuzzy in the first place the whole thing's just fuzzy even for regular people playing the game i was gonna say how how happy are you that 1.14 changed the netherrack texture to not look like tv static but red Uh, i imagine that's kind of a huge difference at this point i can imagine if if you're one of those people who wanted to stick with the programmer arts you'd probably be having a much harder time yeah no and that's that's pretty much where where i am with it um so working on a big build actually we spent the weekend retooling the functional aspects of the in nether gold farm and i say in nether with a big asterisk next to it yes my gold farm is not on the nether ceiling because i think it looks cooler i've answered this question about a thousand times this week yes um um, i i can confirm it looks cooler i stopped in on one of your streams and you you have the entire thing kind of encased in a big glass box as well is that right yeah. yeah so so it's based on the Nembom donut farm that a lot of people do mm-hmm. uh it's in a lava lake it's in a very large lava lake to minimize the amount of spawn proofing that you have to do in the nether so it's not 256 but the lava lake takes care of a good two-thirds of how much space we'd have to slab otherwise yeah uh as a result though the little um glass bars that nembom puts at the top of his design to keep ghasts from spawning on the top level do nothing yeah <laughs> in the nether you have to encase the thing in a giant glass cake dome uh to keep the ghasts out and also keep ghasts from elsewhere because they can still spawn above the lava yeah uh, from shooting the platforms and destroying stuff so it's a lot of glass but it does look really cool because it's pink glass with the orange lava light glow happening all around it so everything is lit from below mm-hmm. uh it looks it looks really cool there's a couple of screenshots actually on twitter this week that i'll that you can probably track down at uh, twitter.com slash joel duggan uh, but the the fun parts of swapping out the um uh, the the platforms for magma blocks nether brick slabbing the nether and killing chamber adjustments the the technical stuff that I really enjoy about new updates. That's what we were working on this week. Uh, I'll get a little bit more into the aesthetic changes later, but that's that's essentially what we spent the, the week doing. So it was kind of nice to have big tasks. Like it just, just fix the gold farm. Like that's that's all I did all week. And so every time I logged in, it was like placing several, several stacks of magma blocks or mining magma blocks. Thanks to servermate Cosmic Dancer, who obviously um, mined a lot of those magma blocks and donated them to the to the community build. So stuff like that was really fun to kind of to work on and, and get into. So that's what I've been up to. Yeah, I uh, I have been in Bedrock Edition this week, as I mentioned earlier, uh, using an add-on that I found from a guy called Nether Ninja, who has a, a Nether Spawn add-on for Bedrock Edition on Windows 10. I presume you could maybe load it into other versions of the game as well. Uh, I'm not quite sure how the add-on distribution model works, but effectively what it does is spawn you in the overworld like normal, but you're in a Bedrock block that has a single one by one Nether portal in it, so you're already standing in something that's going to teleport you into the Nether. And then once you're there, it creates a spawning platform, kind of like the obsidian platform in the end. And in the center of that, if you've enabled it, is a bonus chest. 
and it's just like the bonus chest that you get in the overworld when you start a new world. It's got a couple of planks and maybe some tools and torches and stuff like that in it, but it's all materials that are relevant to the nether as well. So you're getting warped wood in there instead of, you know, acacia or something like that. And it's a pretty neat way of starting you out because it avoids you having to go through the tool progression in the overworld to craft a portal to get yourself to the nether in the first place. And I thought I would do this just as a, a way of, for a start, doing a week's worth of Bedrock Edition videos, which is something that I promised the community I would do from our uh, fundraising livestream recently. But also, it's kind of fun to show that the Bedrock game really isn't all that different from the Java game if you're playing through the intended way and not really engaging in any kind of technical play. So even though it's in Bedrock Edition, all of the stuff I'm doing is stuff that you would probably do in the same circumstances in Java Edition. And since I have no access to redstone because I can't go mining in the overworld, I'm not going to be automating anything anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm playing almost like the intended experience, I feel like, uh, of, of just what the nether experience is right now. And it's given me some perspective on how the update is balanced, which I think is worth sharing in our main discussion topic. But speaking of balance, we have a couple of changes coming through in the news this week uh, from Java Edition Snapshot 20W28A. Uh, there are a few changes in this one. The full change log is on Minecraft.net, but the main ones are here, which includes brewing stands now being able to be crafted with Blackstone. Villagers now emit green particles when joining a village, setting a home bed, or acquiring a job site slash profession. Totems of Undying now give fire resistance for 40 seconds when activated, and bartering loot has been tweaked. We will get onto that in just a second. There are a couple of technical changes, including custom worlds now having support for custom biomes, and not just custom dimensions, and dedicated servers now being able to rate limit clients. Again, more explanation of that on Minecraft.net, because uh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, moving on to the bartering tweaks, though. Uh, this has been covered by a few folks on YouTube if you want a more visual explanation of this. But basically what it boils down to is Blackstone and Spectral Arrows are now common trades from Piglin bartering. You get 8 to 16 Blackstone per Gold Ingot thrown. You get 6 to 12 Spectral Arrows per trade in the same sense. Uh, water Bottles have been added too, but are a little bit more rare, somewhere around the region of, you know, getting... Water bottles maybe like 2 or 3% of the time, similar to how enderpearls and uh, iron nuggets and stuff like that are. Um, enderpearls have also been made more rare. Magma cream and glowstone dust are no longer part of piglin bartering at all, uh, so you still have to get those from elsewhere. And some item amounts have been adjusted and mostly reduced, so you're getting less of the stuff uh, thrown by the piglins when bartering takes place. We'll talk about exactly what that means in a minute, but there are a couple of other important news topics that I thought we would share here, one of which is Minecraft ending support for certain older mobile devices. Once again, a full statement about this, including all of the details, is on Minecraft.net, but to ensure that we can devote our resources to the platforms where the most crafters are playing, is what the blog post says, we are ending support for certain older devices and platforms where Minecraft is available. Effective in October 2020, Minecraft will no longer be updated or supported on Gear VR, Windows 10 Mobile, Android devices with less than 768 megabytes of RAM, iOS devices running iOS 10 or below, or video cards that only support DirectX 10.1 or below. Minecraft is still going to be playable on these devices, single-player worlds will still run, marketplace purchases will still be valid, but future updates may not be supported, and services like Realms may no longer be accessible. To break that down a little bit for you, 
uh, Gear VR and Windows 10 mobile devices are going to lose multiplayer and realms access in October 2020, simply because I think it's not worth their time to continue updating these and make sure that, you know, all of the technical adjustments need to be made for these older platforms. Also, players with older Android and iOS devices will be able to continue to use their existing realms, but if their realm is updated by another device, like a Windows 10 PC that's running the latest version of Minecraft, the older devices will no longer have access to that realm because they won't receive the most recent updates. Marketplace purchases and realm subscriptions can be migrated to another platform if that's accessible to you. So if you're playing on an older tablet but you now have a Windows 10 PC, you can migrate your realm subscription to that and keep playing on that. And if you just want a refund because you're no longer going to be able to play Minecraft on realms, there are links on that blog post of how you can apply for a refund for your realm subscription if you feel like you need to. On a slightly lighter note, Minecraft Dungeons is getting its own novel. Uh, the full interview with the author, Matt Forbeck, is on Minecraft.net, and the uh, the novel is called Minecraft Dungeons Rise of the Arch Illager. It's kind of a prequel novel of sorts, from what I can tell, kind of detailing the events of the intro cinematic, kind of leading up to when the Arch Illager rises to power and the events of Minecraft Dungeons begin. Uh, Matt Forbeck's other writing credits include novelizations set in the Halo, Guild Wars, and Dungeons and Dragons universes. So he clearly has a a, a pretty hefty uh, pedigree here. He's he's coming in with a good a good CV of like a lot of uh, previous video game adaptations and like nerdy game adaptations uh, that he's written novelizations of. So it's it's quite promising, and it seems like he has a pretty good understanding of what Minecraft Dungeons is and how that relates to the world of the broader world of minecraft so the rise of the arch illager is not really on my short reading list but i did like this quote from the interview with forbeck and that is i didn't want to just tell the story because as a player you're telling your own story and that's half the fun of playing minecraft dungeons if i tell the story in a novel it becomes a canon version and nobody wants to be told they're playing the game wrong so while I'm not always a fan of prequels, it's it's like he's fleshing out the backstory of Minecraft Dungeons, it sounds like. Yes, and it's very good that he's not trying to tread on the toes of anybody who is trying to carve their own story out of the game itself. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's a, a very kind of wise way of looking at it. And I think it's really interesting that this follows on from uh, Max Brooks writing Minecraft The Island. And I think there is at least one other official Minecraft novelization, although I forget who it is by. Um, but they do seem to be picking their authors well, from what I can see, and this guy seems to have a, a very solid knowledge of exactly what it is that makes Minecraft Minecraft, and he's not coming at it from an outside perspective where he hasn't played the game before. <laughs> he's clearly kind of familiar with dungeons as a concept. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's very cool that they picked somebody who's who's on a level. And yeah, I'm I like you, I'm not the target audience for this necessarily, but like ten to fourteen year old me would absolutely have have eaten this up. I still have several uh, Magic the Gathering tie-in novelizations somewhere in in boxes probably, um, but those novels can land on the side of cheesy, but will be really good reading for. Uh, for, especially for kids who want more of the Minecraft Dungeons world but are limited in the amount of screen time they can have. So if their parents yeah. don't want them playing Minecraft Dungeons all day long, then they can continue to be excited about that world by, you know, having the uh, having the novel around so they can dip into a book every now and again. And having books tied to things that are Minecraft related and encouraging younger players to read is always a good thing. Like, I'm always going to be on board for that. Definitely, definitely. Uh, so let's briefly unpack the snapshot a little bit. I really feel like custom biomes is the big headline here, right? I, it's it's going yeah. to be really interesting to me how much 
uh, use they will see in vanilla plus servers going forward. And for me, it'd be really interesting to see if the next season of like Hermitcraft or Legacy or one of the sort of larger YouTube SMPs ends up utilizing custom biomes and dimensions for various things because i don't know how much strain it's going to put on multiplayer servers but you're also looking at the ability to add a mining dimension for people who want to harvest a ton of resources or maybe even like a dimension which is an on-platform creative world like you go there through a portal the game instantly switches you to creative you can build whatever you want there you go back through that portal it switches you back to survival it's like having bungee cord on one server ultimately yeah which could be a really and, interesting prospect if it works from a technical perspective yeah and if, if for things like big collaborative builds like we talked about last week with azuma uh, uh um nether hubs like big yeah. things that require input from a lot of people having a server side dimension for creative um collaboration and planning would be really helpful, I think. Probably a big time saver. I would imagine, as you mentioned, the first uses we'll see of this will be from a technical side, which is mining dimensions. It's just another version of the overworld, maybe with larger biomes, you know, mm -hmm. and and or smaller, I guess, maybe in case things need to be faster to be found. But then basically, rather than having to go a thousand or two thousand blocks out in your existing world to mine so that you're not disrupting anybody's view, if you're going out in this mining world where it is understood that one, it resets once a month or something, or, or, and two, just destroy it. Like just no one cares. It's yeah. just food, you know? <laughs> uh, and I, and I think that that, that might help with a lot of the um, planning that goes into some of these larger, uh, busier servers, because I know that in some times, uh, when they're looking for seeds, they're looking for like, well, here's a nice desert, but do we have a really big desert? Yeah. because we're going to need to just destroy it for glass right yeah and i and i think that that's that's worth um worth looking at the alternate dimensions for from a creative standpoint though i mean i have no idea what they could end up being used for uh, the thing that kind of sticks in my mind is sometimes you might have an smp that has more thematic stuff going on like maybe it's a bit more medieval or or maybe everybody's building really aesthetic builds but you log in one day and you want to build a giant mushroom for Mario or you want to do, uh, what was it, two, three seasons ago that Mumbo did like the giant Shrek art? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It was, was like a like hundred. Season it three, was huge. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was massive. Um, so stuff like that, that uh, it's fun, but it doesn't necessarily complement a beautiful build right next to it. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, having like a fun zone or a anything goes or a gaming district where you could change, you know, some, some of the ways that Minecraft works to better, you know, yeah. manipulate things. Have, have a gaming dimension now. Why not? Yeah. You know, the world is your oyster in this point. And I, I think... Um, some of the coolest stuff I've seen from it so far, because right now it's just people poking around and tweaking various things, but it's, um, you know, custom skies for certain things where the sky can be a completely different color in this new dimension that you're making. You can have, you know, a green or pink sky if you want to. And I we see bits and pieces of that stuff creeping in with the nether update with the different colored biome fog and everything. But now, exactly, like having, having so many variations that you can apply to these new dimensions without the need to radically change the overworld or either of the other two existing dimensions to do that i feel like there is some some very fun stuff to be had here i'm wondering if 
The custom biome support extends as far as being able to modify grass color and leaf color. If I could actually have a cherry blossom forest somewhere in the world without radically modifying vanilla gameplay and adding in biomes aplenty or something like that. You know, this is mm. effectively, you're looking at something like implementing biomes aplenty, but through vanilla and through, uh, you know, these custom biome data packs now. Could yeah, be a really interesting right, time. With the right data data pack, you could probably get into that that biomes aplenty or something like, um, oh gosh, terrain, open terrain generator. Yeah, terrain? yeah, OTG, yeah. yeah, yeah. OTG, like something like that with uh, um, the, the biome bundle that they had yes i can't remember the name of it was yeah that's the, that's the one but it, yeah where, where it looks a lot like traditional like earth mountains and valleys and rivers and things like that I, like that's something that i've always been on the fence about like if i was ever going to try modded i would want to go with a mod pack that would allow me to have really picturesque stuff because i'd be sacrificing a lot of other gameplay mechanics because mods are usually so far behind so but i'm waiting to see whether that kind of stuff comes out where you can get a dimension and what's nice about that what's nice about the custom worlds is that and correct me if i'm wrong i maybe we don't know the answer to this but if i wanted to add a custom dimension to the citadel i don't think i would have to sacrifice any of the existing citadel content right like i think i would just be adding to it in as opposed to having theory. to have a new world yeah, yeah. In, in theory, you just have to implement a way of getting to that dimension, like set up a command block or a data pack that teleports the player yeah. there. But it, it, it would exist I do effectively. That effectively, you have a separate folder for it in much the same way as the end and the nether are separate dimension right. folders. Okay, that's what I that's what I'm anticipating from a behind the scenes. You'd have a different a different um region folder for for this new dimension. Yeah. I I do that right now. We have custom uh, command blocks on the server that teleport you to our various build zones, like the medieval area and the modern city area and Dartmouth Meadows. Like we've got teleport blocks that just save us the trouble of the travel just yeah. because we're a busy adult server and stuff like that. And and I mean, ha adding something in like that that just takes you to a different dimension or or if you had the, if the data pack allows you to do what looks like another portal, but maybe it's green or blue or some other color, I think that would be really cool too. Yeah, definitely. Um, other stuff in the snapshot, we'll just run through this quickly. Um, mm. Totems granting fire resistance and villagers emitting particles when pairing with points of interest. These are both bedrock features uh, that really deserve to be in Java too, and it's good to see them in this update. When I was playing bedrock to do my uh, week of the, the achievement guide that I did where I was spending an entire week in bedrock edition previously, villagers did already tie themselves to points of interest by like you know having those green happy particles that they emit whenever you've traded with them and they've gone up a level um it makes perfect sense that they do that in java edition in the snapshot very good change and will add a lot of clarity especially now that uh villagers pairing with workstations has been changed so it gives priority to the most experienced villager uh, so some people have been seeing a little bit of confusion for that when they just they put a workstation in front of the nearest villager, but the more experienced guy who's already got that profession claims it, and that's kind of been confusing some folks. Uh, so that's good. And totems giving fire resistance with more people spending time in the nether, dying in lava possibly. Like it makes a lot of sense that you use a totem of undying and you don't die, um, and that's that's kind of a, a a good change as well. It still won't save you from the void, obviously. Uh, but it yeah. de is definitely going to be limiting the amount of circumstances in which players can hold something that is effectively supposed to rescue them from death and mm. not die, uh, which is, yeah, it's a very good thing. 
Uh, last thing is bartering tweaks. Yeah, how do you feel about these bartering tweaks? I I don't think the changes are really going to make a whole heck of a lot of difference. Not really. It's it's like Azuma was saying last week. You know, you change the amount they're going to trade. People just AFK for longer or add more piglins. Um, the fact that they aren't trading magma cream and glowstone dust, I think, is good. Uh, because that's. I mean, the, the, there are still other ways to get those. I think maybe those were there for people who are playing in peaceful, but I don't recall if piglins were really in peaceful modes to begin with because they act hostile to the player most of the time anyway. Right, um, yeah. But then, you know, glowstone dust, you can still harvest glowstone from the nether, you can still get it from witch farms if you want it from there. Um, and magma cream can still be found in bastion loot chests, so it's not like it disappears from the piglin oeuvre entirely, uh, but it is no longer a traded item, and that's good because you have umpteen other ways of getting magma cream in the nether now with uh, basalt deltas spawning magma cubes, with magma cube spawners being in treasure room bastions. It makes a lot of sense to effectively give the players a reason to go out and get that instead of just setting up a piglin bartering farm and calling it a day. Um, yeah, I think my issue with that was that in my initial playthrough of 116, when I was doing that nether rush and got into the nether with very, very little, I was looking to get uh, fire resist potions as quickly as possible. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was cool was when I put a gold ingot on the ground, the way that bartering with the piglin is intended, I ended up with some magma cream. And I thought that was good. Like, I thought that was very helpful. I thought that was a neat mechanic. But that's on a one-on-one -on -one early game basis. It's yes. not this end game push. So I can understand why they would want to remove the magma cream, but I think maybe for stuff like that, they might want to just reduce it drastically to the point where it's really rare and exciting to get as opposed to just removing it completely. Because I did find it, I mean, I didn't, I did not end up finding a brew, um, uh, another fortress to build a brewing stand or a village to build a brewing stand. So I never did get those fire resist potions, but had I had a village nearby, it would have been a game changer and a lot more fun early on. So removing it entirely, I'm not so sure. Uh, spectral arrows? What do we care? Why do we want those? I, like, I we already you can get arrows from skeleton farms. Like I don't need spectral ones. I think the problem is that spectral arrows just fell off the radar when they were introduced because there is nothing in game that really prompts you to make them. And so I think maybe it's an incentive for players to realize those are in the game in kind of the same way that we discussed the wandering trader is there so that people right. on people know that coral reefs exist you know i think it's one of those things where because there is glowstone in the nether it makes sense for them to have spectral arrows because right. that's how you craft all the them. all the nether related stuff exactly yeah. I, I feel like they're kind of ticking all the boxes for all of the stuff that it is logical for people to create in the nether if they've just been surviving in that dimension for a long time so yeah. it, it sort of makes sense that way um yeah, item amounts being adjusted doesn't really make a whole lot of, of difference in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, like you were saying, I think the whole point of bartering, it's been balanced for an early game experience, but not balanced at all for a late game experience, for farming, mm -hmm. for automation. Um, and I'm going to talk a bit more about that in the discussion because bartering is now the way I have to get some of the tools I need to get for uh, this like nether tool progression that I'm working on in my Bedrock Edition uh playthrough so it's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting to see 
how that affects players at different areas of the game. And I still think, despite how vocal they are and despite how popular YouTube series about this are, technical players are probably still in the minority when it comes to Minecraft players as a whole. You know, the amount of people who actually want to automate piglin bartering is probably going to be minimal next to the people who are just playing casually and want to run in and right-click on a piglin with some gold and just get some stuff. Yeah, because uh, so, I mean, it feels different to us because out of the six to twelve YouTubers that we watch on the regular, all of them are making piglin bartering farms. But like, that's exactly. very small. It's a small demographic. Yes, and and that is something that it's it it we we still deserve more complexity of mechanics i think to allow for players like that to be included in much the same way that you know the the pvp minecraft community is still probably a minority but they're still trying to adapt mechanics so that everyone's happy i think it's good to keep this discussion open so that we can continue to you know figure out how the game can be made better to the benefit of everyone um and yeah, I, I think that's something we can get into again a little bit later. Uh, last thing I want to touch on from the news is uh, old device support because we brought this up. And yeah, I think for some people, obviously, this is going to be a bit of a a bit of a shame, uh, especially people for whom uh, you know you aren't able to upgrade your device just yet. Um, and but it's not like the game is going to be deleted in its entirety. You're still definitely going to be able to play single player on whatever device you have Minecraft. It's not going to delete the game from your device or tell you that you can't play anymore. But of course, for some people, they're going to be losing access to multiplayer and realms, uh, which is always a bit of a shame. Um, I think it is harder to sunset a mobile app than a console version, uh, because obviously we had uh, discontinued support for legacy versions like Xbox 360, PS3, uh, Nintendo 3DS. Um, <laughs> all of those went away a while ago, and those are all the same hardware for everybody, more or less, right? Whereas it's so difficult to specify, we're taking away Minecraft's multiplayer support for android devices with less than a gigabyte of ram or you know less than 750 megabytes of ram and you can't talk about that concisely so maybe to some people it feels like oh android support is going away when actually it's android support for like you know five to eight year old devices or or older at this point yeah I, i'm glad you brought up the age of the device because i i can't speak to the android stuff but in terms of an ios device that's near the cap of the capability uh there it's from 2012 so if you're still playing minecraft on an eight-year-old device i kind of tip my hat to you that yes <laughs> that can't that can't be a quick experience and and, and tip, uh, tip my hat to minecraft for you know sustaining it for so long as well yeah and, and i know that there have been many concessions made for mobile users especially when it comes to the graphical output of certain things like the flattening of bubble column textures when those came out because certain mobile devices wouldn't be able to support that level of particle effects happening at once and yeah. you know they, they've provided graphics options for older devices for as long as they feasibly can but i think it just seemed like the time when the game is maturing to the extent that these devices will no longer really be able to support what minecraft is trying to do um, and minecraft is already pretty fragmented for a game of its popularity yes, and i yes. think they're just by by rolling forward with new tech and trying to keep things they're tr they're probably trying to keep the fragmentation to a minimum yes yeah and ultimately that's what it comes down to is just having to support more and more things just because of you know a, a legacy of having supported those devices it reminds me a little bit of when i was working for uh disney and i was working on disney infinity just providing email support for it and disney infinity 2 was slated for release and it wasn't going to be on the nintendo wii and we got a few emails from people saying, well, you know, that sucks because the first one was on the Wii and you sort of said this is going to be an evolving platform and it's going to keep going forward and forward and forward. 
uh, why is it not going to be on the Wii? And we said, well, the Wii is a 10-year-old console at this point, and it is one of the most popular family consoles ever, so we can understand why people are being a little bit disappointed by this, but the Wii version of Disney Infinity 1 was already a way stripped-down experience compared to how it was on Xbox 360 and the other more modern consoles that had, you know, better graphics capabilities, higher processing power, HD graphics... And, you know, at a certain point, you do have to leave that stuff behind, which is a shame because for some people, that is their gaming experience. That is what they have to play those games. Um, but yeah, it, it's a shame ultimately, but I think it is going to mean that the further development of the game is going to be less inhibited going forward by having to support older devices, which is just the reality of the situation and technology moving on. Moving on into chunk mail, we've got a message this week from Freaky. If you'd like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Say that again, spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. We've had some people asking recently in the Discord and on Twitter what the email address is. Uh, Freaky said, renewable Blackstone. Hey, Johnny and Joel, I just got the idea for how we could have renewable Blackstone. Since the piglins are kind of like villagers of the nether, maybe they could get their own golem. A blackstone golem that drops blackstone when it dies. It could spawn when there's a bunch of piglins seeing a zombie-fied piglin, or they could spawn in the bastions. Thanks, Freaky. Well, I think Mojang solved your problem for you by adding blackstone to the piglin bartering system this week. However, I did think that the idea of a piglin version of a golem was really interesting. Uh, Johnny, what do you think of a golem in the nether update? Like, what do you think that would look like? I like the idea. I definitely, I, I've been in favor of adding more golem type mobs to the game for a while. And there does come a, a time when it's, um, like, the golems are typically made, meant to be player created in the same way that, like, you know, uh, snow golems and iron golems can be. I uh, villagers make iron golems themselves as well, but, um, I think maybe that classification of mob is not quite the right thing to file it under. But then again, I do like the idea of there being, a a piglin equivalent considering that they are like you say nether villagers um having them spawn when piglins see a zombified piglin seems kind of strange because those groups of mobs spawn so close to each other so frequently there would just be all-out war across the entire nether between uh the regular piglins and the zombie piglins so Considering that the zombie piglins don't even attack the regular piglins to begin with, I feel like it, it's it's not quite the right, the, the right way to implement that. Um, but I, I do like the idea, and I think it it's even... Adding something more inventive to it like this seems better as a solution to me than just adding blackstone to piglin bartering, because that feels, if not like a low-effort response to it, then it at least feels like, you know... It could have been Blackstone that generated using what is a, you know, a basalt generator. Um, and that would make sense because of the way cobblestone generation works in the overworld providing cobblestone. And Blackstone is effectively the nether's equivalent of cobblestone in terms of the stuff that you can make with it. Um, so there's there's a, there's a lot of things that could have been just rejigged a little bit and moved one space to the right. And then it would make a little bit more sense in terms of the consistency of mechanics for the overworld versus the nether. I I would like to have seen something a little bit different on that score rather than them just adding it to uh to piglin bartering. Um it is nice that we get renewable blackstone now of course, but still I've I've been getting enough of it from mining out sections of the Nether underneath the lava lakes to get ancient debris that I have enough blackstone to begin with. Um I like the idea of a new mob though. Uh, and a gold golem seems like a uh, a fun concept as well considering that there are um 
you know, and the amount of gold blocks and stuff that you find in uh, Piglin Bastions, it's almost like as though the villagers have been hoarding iron blocks to turn into iron golems. You can imagine the piglins doing something kind of similar. Yeah. I wonder if you could make, instead of a, instead of a, a golden golem, maybe you could build like a golden hoglin or a golden pig <laughs> have or something. Have you seen the statues? The, these little like hoglin statues that are in some of the, I think they're the bridge type of bastions. There's no, like I a, haven't seen them yet. There is a platform, there's a, a sort of corridor that spawns on some of them, uh, which has a statue made of i think about 10 gold blocks and it's got two quartz slabs at odd angles so they look kind of like tusks on the front of a pig and uh, i i think of it as a hoglin statue even though it's probably meant to be a piglin but it's sort of like the lower half of the head almost like a a sort of yeah. semi decapitated piglin bust um and obviously they get mad at you for breaking it but it's like 10 gold blocks so you have to break it and uh yeah like th those those are pretty fun and i almost imagine those being like yeah some sort of either monument or attempt to make like a, a golden calf kind of style thing yeah that looks kind of interesting to me uh typo in our live chat which we do on our discord because of the amazing support from our patrons uh mentioned that the golem uh or, or i guess blackstone golem would be uh maybe related to the dungeons uh redstone golem so same idea so what about what about a blackstone golem not being like an iron golem but like a boss like what if blackstone golems or blackstone beasts or something were things that you had to fight in bastions which is i think something that freaky also mentioned too that could be kind of interesting rather rather than just having piglin brutes what if piglin brutes were made of blackstone like what if they were <laughs> rock pigs like, i'm now i'm now thinking of i think it was thor the dark world or something like that where one of the dark elves turns himself into like a more kind of iron plated kind of i watched like, that last dude. week you are correct oh, did you yeah 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 good <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's one of the the lesser liked thor movies i think but yeah it has that better very kind of it's yeah it's better than i remember but it's, yeah they use they use the eighth the the ether he uses a little ether uh empowered stone so it's an infinity stone powered piece of like black obsidian that he crushes in his hand and it turns him into this crazy monster the obsidian connection is there right away and yeah i yeah i i think stuff like that would be fun i don't know if it constitutes a renewable source of blackstone in the same way that we're asking if it's going to be a boss no. mob that you fight to get blackstone i'm going to stick to mining the stuff thank you but, <laughs> um, yeah but i do like the idea i like the idea of diversifying the range of ways we can get materials and yeah, I still think there is some stuff that needs to be done with bartering. I still like the idea of making bartering item specific. So you end up giving a piglin a gold chest plate and that's the only thing they will trade for a specific item in their inventory. Diversifying the input to get the same diversity of output seems like something that is worth doing for the sake of balance. Because then you can still be up in the nether your first time there trading, you know, ingots, nuggets, gold carrots, you know, throwing out whatever you can craft to get whatever you can in exchange and maybe you know if you're trading specific things and you're getting the same stuff all the time maybe that's a little bit unbalanced in certain other aspects but i do think it's better than automating it using your zombie pigman gold farm and just churning through gold nuggets all day mm -hmm. yeah i agree so for our discussion topic this week as we've been hinting at throughout the rest of the show i thought we could talk about our new perspectives on the nether update because you've now moved to playing it in multiplayer on the citadel where previously i think you'd mainly been exploring it in a single player world for the first time before updating and i'm now playing in bedrock edition doing this nether survival challenge where i've been plopped into the nether with absolutely nothing and attempting to do a nether survival run uh working my way from wood tools throughout the week all the way up to netherite tools hopefully 
if I can find some diamonds, which is looking like the bottleneck at this point. But I, I wanted to talk about how uh, the continuation of gameplay into what I think of as like our primary ways of playing, maybe, uh, has changed our perspectives on the update from where we were a couple of weeks ago, where we were looking at it in creative mode and thinking, what are we going to do with all of this? So how's the experience of moving the Citadel to uh, 116 been for you and maybe for the other players, if you've got some anecdotes from them? Uh, I know that Matt Cass, one of my server mates, found a bastion with a magma spawner in it. Mm -hmm. And he ended up destroying it uh, and because he found it too challenging. He, like yeah. Between the piglins, uh, there's no brutes in the version yet, um, but between the piglins and the constant magma cubes, he was having a lot of trouble. And um, so he found that challenging. I don't, I don't seem to recall any complaints. It was more like, wow, this is hard. Not so much, oh God, this sucks. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me personally, it's been a very different experience um, going into a world that I know very from like very, very well after three years on the server and discovering new nether biomes is exciting, which doesn't happen that often because of course, because I'm the admin and I trim the chunks, I kind of know where it all is anyway, yeah. in terms of the first ones, like the first ones, like I know where the first forests are. I know where the first deltas are, etc. However, when you are uh, underground and you can't see where you're going, or if you are going to an area where you have not explored yet, like I'm very curious to see um, something that we have not done in any of the new build zones. Uh, we haven't gone to the nether in, say, like the medieval area because we've been waiting. Why, why load that nether when we can just wait and, and have all new brand new stuff? So I have no idea what the nether spawn is going to be like in the medieval uh, district. Um, so stuff like that is exciting. I find discovering the new biomes in a world that you know so well is cool because it brings this new life to what's just around the corner or what used to be around the corner and is now something completely different. The new ambient sounds and new block sounds, nether bricks, bone blocks, nether rack. Um, can't say I'm in love with the nether rack mining sound. I don't mind the sound change on the walk, uh, walking on it, but uh, it has that high pitched kind of like crackle that yeah. mining grass does that gets to me when you're mining thousands of it mm -hmm. um but everything else quartz um hyphae like all the different like they have some the hyphae have like a squeak to them when you mine them it's it feels very organic yeah it, do, um, it does feel a little bit like you are squashing a mushroom between your fingers yeah. or something like that that kind of like yeah. almost rubbery sound to it is there is a rubbery sound to it basalt also has a very unique sound it doesn't sound like a plant but it feels more like a fibrous mineral. It's that crunchy. Any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It has like, it has like a, I don't know if you've ever had come across any of any kind of minerals in, in any kind of school activity or even out adventuring in the world. But some, some minerals, even though they're technically rocks, when you break them apart, they kind of have like long fibers in them yeah. and they have this weird crackle to them. And I, so I really have enjoyed that kind of stuff. Um, I also find that the amount of resources you can get quite quickly, a really good experience um nylium high face sprouts fungus with bone meal like you need a couple of blocks to bring back to the overworld and some bone meal and you're basically set um with nether wart blocks all kinds of things that you can get uh with basalt obviously there's the basalt generators uh blackstone as you mentioned it's easy to get if you're mining just through anywhere you'll eventually hit some um i find golden quartz also more abundant it could be just me um, but I find I'm running into a lot more nether quartz and a lot more, well, obviously gold is brand new, but uh, you can get quite a lot just by 
clearing out some netherrack and just seeing what you find. Um, I'm finding that pretty good as well. And of course, soul soil and sand. As soon as you find a soul sand valley, you're set. Like you just, you can get a, a couple of stacks probably without changing the landscape very much. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just, there's an awful lot uh, of, of stuff that you can get quite quickly. So if you want to kind of like build out a quick nether palette and see what these new blocks are all about and try to find your way. It doesn't take hours to get up to speed. It only takes like 20 minutes, which I think is provided that you can find the biomes. If you know where the biomes are, then you think you're good. Um, I'm discovering that I like polished basalt and basalt a lot more than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. uh, still has a limited use because the polished one has a log like texture to it instead of stone. Yeah. Um, but I do still like both. And I like that they're directional. And so, cause it gives you a little bit more, a little bit more flexibility to it. Yes, I think yeah, I might've said that I didn't like the directionality of it before on the podcast. So I might be changing my tune on that, but that's fine. You know, like I, I, having played with it and having trying to build it and use it in other ways. Um, I think basalt pillars look cool. Uh, I don't know yet how to decorate them, but just the idea of like a two by two or a three by three basalt pillar in a build looks pretty old and pretty solid at the same time like it it gives like this feeling of structure to it yeah yeah um, yeah i, I have so, i have thoughts about how to use basalt and blackstone now that are way different to what i expected both of them to be used for and it's it's interesting to me the way that has worked out because I was imagining, thinking of what what I wanted from black blocks to begin with when blackstone was first implemented, I was thinking, great, I have something I can use as like asphalt for roads. And now I'm finding so much more that uh, the basalt is something I want to use for roads and the blackstone is not, because the top texture of basalt in its raw form works so much better with cobblestone, so you can add some detail to cobblestone paths that way. And it just looks like a slightly darker variant. It even tiles quite well next to it. The textures sort of line up quite nicely. And then blackstone is just too noisy to look at in a in a path. Um, I'm finding blackstone works better for walls and roofs than basalt does because basalt has darker areas on either side of the block that if you end up placing a large flat wall of it together, the, re the repetition of it starts to become really obvious. Um, and it has kind of like lines in it in the same way that if you put a bunch of uh, bone blocks together, you find those darker areas tend to merge and it goes dark light, dark light and looks kind of stripy. So I think... Stripped, uh, stripped logs have the same thing. Exactly. And so I think basalt looks way better uh, as individual pillars, like you were saying, like a one by one or two by two pillar uh, is going to look a lot better for basalt than um, a flat wall of the stuff. And that's where I think blackstone works for a background and then if you can put some materials in front of that to reduce the noise of the blackstone wall being there or use it as a roofing material so it looks more like kind of slate or something like that, it can look a lot better. But I'm not using it for roads at all because I don't like the way that texture works out for roads. Um, yeah. So so I've, I've kind of flipped on my head what I thought the original like uses for either of those blocks was going to be. And now I'm thinking the opposite of both of them and having a much better time with it now I'm using them. Blackstone for me is still a no. I still don't like it. I'm not sure why so many people seem to be raving about it. I think they're just excited to have an actual quote unquote black block, even though if you put it next to black blocks, it's still pretty purple. Mm -hmm. Um I am still going to build with it though. So I'm not um I'm not just, you know, barking at the moon. I um 
I'm planning on building a netherite hall. Um, we have a long way to go, about 96 blocks from our world center in the nether before we start to hit new mineable um, biomes uh, chunks where mm -hmm. netherite will actually, or ancient debris will actually spawn. Yeah. So rather than building um, branch mines and all that kind of stuff and go just going forever into nothing, I thought, well, it's going to be better to remove a whole lot of this stuff. And if we're removing a, a large chunk, we'll know right away when we get into a new biome because you'll start to see gold in netherrack. You'll start to see uh, blackstone, that sort of thing. So I thought, well, it would also be a really good test of the blackstone to build a netherite blackstone hall. Uh, not that it's going to be made of netherite, but it's like it, it's, our, it's the location on our server to be organized, potentially have a piglin bartering set up, uh, and also be able to know this is where you go when you want to start your mining adventure for ancient debris so that you know where people have gone and where people have not gone. And that way it's not a giant mess of just tunnels everywhere underneath another and people stumbling into holes and all kinds of problems. Or going to mine something, realizing you've been one block away from somewhere that's been cleared out by somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so this way it's all going to be the same, uh, similar to how we started our, our mine on the server way back in 2017 the overworld mine. Uh, so I do want to attempt to use it, but like you, I'm anticipating it being that backdrop block. So in a wall that's got maybe two to three blocks of depth, I would imagine the blackstone is going to be the back one. And then yeah. anything in the front is going to be maybe basalt. I might try to work in some hyphae, some different color blocks. I, I, I'm toying with some lava features. I'm not really sure, but like, I kind of want it to look like this deep, dark underground thing and having a black block that I don't have to smelt or craft from concrete powder is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, because working with concrete in the nether, as much as I like it, you can't even make it in the nether. You have to go to the overworld to make it. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a go and I've got a funny feeling it's going to be, um, a background block for it but, yeah um, i think i think dis despite its abundance i think blackstone is really going to be one of those blocks to use very sparingly uh mm -hmm. it's going to be for texturizing stuff and and to use like in a, in a very limited way either that or you stay in the nether and the majority of people i've seen who've really gone ham with the blackstone are building nether bases so it makes sense but yeah. then you have folks building stuff out of blackstone and gold together and and you know all of that stuff being a very contrasty color scheme it sort of works quite well but that's being built in the nether surrounded by red fog and it sort of mm -hmm. mutes the color of it whereas when it's in full sunlight in the overworld i feel like it just doesn't seem to sit as well for me without other blocks around it to dress it up a little bit more no i agree i've seen i've seen other youtubers build things out of blackstone where i'm like that actually looks pretty good but it, then you realize it's because it's in the nether it's yeah. a small build like it's just yeah uh out of curiosity uh i don't have the screenshot handy but you, you talked a couple of weeks ago about building a lava flow with magma blocks and shroom lights yes i will put did that you in use, our stream chat so that we can did uh, you did you use blackstone anywhere in that? Because blackstone would also look like charred stuff. Like yes. I think you could use blackstone in the overworld to make it look like the grass had caught fire. You did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Was, so I, I couldn't quite remember. I have a few pieces of blackstone kind of surrounding the edge of this magma and shroom light river. 
um, that I, I figured it would be fun to make a, a lava flow looking thing. If you if you imagine the um, the kind of uh, lava flow that's in Mount Doom at the end of the third Lord of the Rings movie is what I'm aiming for. Is something that doesn't necessarily have liquid lava in it and would potentially be a little bit easier for players to get around without maybe landing in the lava and, and burning themselves and losing their stuff but i i like the combination of materials that i'm using here and we'll, we'll put a screenshot of this in the show notes so that people will be able to see what i'm talking about uh so head to the spawnchunks.com to check that out it's a combination of uh magma blocks and shroom lights for the lava in the center but then blackstone around the outside moving into basalt like natural basalt after that and then cobblestone and then natural stone with dead coral mixed in and I think that works really well as a color palette for something like this, for a more volcanic biome. And it's something that later on when I'm getting into build projects in the survival guide, I really plan on implementing a little bit more of that and having having Blackstone even mixed in with like a plume of smoke coming in from the top of it would add a really nice solid element to something that you'd otherwise probably build out of glass just for the transparency of it. I think that mm. that would make a really fun build. So that that's probably what I intend to use Blackstone and Basalt for in the overworld is much more natural scenery than organized builds that, you know, uh, a civilization would have made. I feel like it's going to yeah. look a lot better in its in, in a more natural environment to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, and also less grindy than having to make something like that out of obsidian. Uh, oh yes past. yeah which was the only solution before was the uh, was the only material you could really use yeah. um so i definitely think that's uh that's the way to do it uh for me one of the things that i really like about a new minecraft update regardless of the aesthetic of new blocks is having new projects like updating farms and sorting out what works what needs working what needs updating all that kind of stuff and uh i I'm really enjoying going through and updating farms and things like that and looking at what's working and what's not. Uh, having to rethink the way that we have spawn-proofed our, uh, our nether hub. Um, we have it mostly spawn-proofed. It just reduces drastically the amount of zombified piglin that we're walking around. But now we've got piglin to worry about. And I've had server mates die because they've been opening chests in the nether. And there's little holes where piglins can if they're close enough to you and they can track you then they can get to you and and give you a smack um because you opened up a chest that you own which again i've said this on stream i don't like this mechanic mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, i agree with stealing from piglins should make them angry fine if it's a player placed chest though mm -mm, i it does not feel good uh to me as a game mechanic it's really annoying um However, uh, going through and sorting out, sorry, not sorry for the pun, a piglin bartering system is definitely on my list. I find that really interesting. I like the challenge of moving items around and sorting them without water streams in the nether. Uh, I got my feet wet with that with the fortress farm, which also needs fixing. So like I've got a couple of big farm projects. So one of the things that's nice about another update uh, or the nether update, as well as any Minecraft update, is that I no longer am searching for things to do like I, yeah. I have a laundry list of stuff that not only is it good for streams but it's just it's just good good content to just get your head in there and have this thing and um i, I actually noticed um that because of the number of tasks that the gold farm update required which was mining magma blocks uh slabbing the nether with uh nether bricks uh, also updating the platforms, removing the netherrack and adding it in, as well as keeping an eye on piglin mechanics and everything else. I just, I would just do one task for about 45 minutes to an hour and then switch because I would run out of netherrack 
or I would run out of nether bricks to place. So then I would go place the magma and then I would have more netherrack to then smelt. And like, it just went back and forth and back and forth. And so that was really, really good in that, in that regard. Um, something th that I am not enjoying, however, is mining for ancient debris. Uh-huh. I don't care. <laughs> Fight me. I do. Yeah. I don't. I, yes, I would love a netherite pick for the extra durability so that I can maybe repair my, like, I don't have to repair my stuff as often, but honestly, with the amount of end game xp farms that we have on the server i can repair stuff in five minutes less uh now that i've spawn proofed a bunch of this nether this pigment farm um yes right now it's afk but even when it is a player kill farm i will be able to repair stuff immediately uh i would like an extra pair of netherite boots for durability and soul speed to have some fun and play with that that's it i don't i'm going to be wearing a gold helmet elytra netherite boots and i guess iron leggings because that's how i roll um so i don't really have any great desire to go looking for netherite i tried it for two hours i found none and i know that there are you know i know where to go like i know what to do i just found it boring like i you've been doing a lot of mining for ancient debris like tell me why it's exciting <laughs> Um, it's exciting because I get to blow stuff up a lot. Is the main thing because I'm <laughs> I, I now I built a super powered uh, mob platform spawner, so I have like four of the multi platform water stream mob spawners going now. So I get more gunpowder in an hour than I know what to do with. Except I now right. know what to do with it, which is blow up <laughs> large sections underneath the Nether. And uh, it's it's also been a bit of fun to do on streams. It's one of those mindless tasks, like building the mountain was, where I can just kind of kick back and talk to my stream chat and not have to worry about focusing on a build and getting quiet and then not feeling like i'm being entertaining whereas you know put a few explosions on the screen everyone's entertained um but really yeah like I, i'm beyond the point where i actually need the netherite for anything now it's just about proving a point and doing something for the survival guide where i'm like look you can make a beacon out of netherite blocks you don't need to but you can um and i've i've now got to the point where i have enough netherite blocks for a tier one beacon and a couple extra so i've got i i've mined over 500 ancient debris now um do wow. i do i need to heck no and i would advise that you don't because <laughs> a, as i was saying before all of this actually came to the game netherite really isn't all it's cracked up to be it gives you one extra point of armor toughness nobody really knows what that does i'm joking they do but it's not really all that viable you get a bit more knockback resistance which i guess is useful when you're dealing with hoglins but aside from that the extra durability and the fact that if you die in lava your stuff floats now is the only real benefits and i don't die in lava often enough for that to really make any kind of difference if i'm going somewhere where i know there is a chance of me going in lava there's a chance I also have a fire resistance potion and the most likely place I'm going to be when I'm getting in lava in the first place is mining for ancient debris. <laughs> so I'm already there, you know? So I think, yeah, netherite really isn't all it's cracked up to be. This like better than diamond kind of thing is way overblown. The only real reason to do it is because there is another tier. And if you are somebody like yourself who is satisfied with a certain level of gear and doesn't need to have the most powerful thing in order to enjoy the experience, you're not going to need it. It doesn't matter. It's just there for people who want to go that extra step, who want to be like, I am the most OP with my armor. And like, it, yeah, it's 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 nice to have the stuff because then you know you've got the best thing. Um, but outside of that, it is, it's almost like a pointless indulgence, it seems like to me. I am more interested in ancient debris for the fact that it is a pushable and blast proof block that you can use for TNT based farms than I am in actually having netherite stuff, really. 
right I, I think that the netherite beacon flex thing is very funny but i think it's actually more fun keeping the ancient debris and doing interesting technical stuff with that because i might even change my tune with the ancient debris in my medieval build when i want it to actually build out of stuff, yes yeah yeah, yeah. that that is what, use. one of the things i really wish i could keep the ancient debris that i'm now turning into netherite blocks is so that i can build like a big rusty ship with it somewhere because that mm. is one of the things i thought that'd make a really good texture for is like you know barnacles and stuff in a shipyard somewhere and the whole thing is like going to pieces and everything is corroded i like the look of it for that kind of build so i kind of want to use some of it for that um i actually <laughs> speaking of of not being able to find any ancient debris now that i'm doing this stuff on bedrock um i found some ancient debris completely by accident when i was mining a tunnel to somewhere else so it's funny when you're not looking for it you stumble upon it i feel like more than if you are looking for it but you don't have any like any assistance in mining for it if you're just mining for it yourself using whatever your tools are then yeah. it, it is more difficult to find than if you're blowing up large chunks of the nether because you're you're probably going to get one or maybe even two veins per chunk but you have to mine for it very systematically in order to make sure you haven't missed it because it can be one block in a you know 16 by 16 by 16 area so that means mining out like you know however many however many thousand blocks that is um so well that's why this netherite hall build has come to mind it's like well if i'm gonna check if i'm gonna take out this netherite hall that's gonna be i don't know 11 by 13 by 96 like just it's a huge chunk then by clearing that out especially if it extends into new biomes then hopefully we'll end up just finding some by pure you know happenstance um but i want to try and part of it is also kind of like the design challenge of like okay well what would a what would efficient branch mine actually look like in the nether how could we make that look aesthetic how could we keep track of like where we've been and where you know we need to go and stuff like that so um and i think too like starting up at whatever the top level is i think it's y22 is the the highest it appears yes and then going down from there right like rather than starting at the bottom you just start at the highest point ish and just start stripping so uh, i've not mined for diamonds for ages on the sigil because i did a perimeter uh underneath my witch farm as a strip mine i just everything under the swamp it's a giant hole there's nothing there uh and so as a result i found a lot of diamonds <laughs> and mm-hmm. a lot of redstone and a lot of everything else so that might be the approach that we take uh in another and again um will be easier in newer places uh, where we don't have to go 96 blocks or more away from the main northeast southwest corridors to get uh new blocks because i had to push the chunk trimming back a bit so uh in places like the new developed areas on the server a nether spawn there will be more likely to have closer uh ancient debris um but uh, we had another uh another related email wow that's hard to say five times fast uh from shelby a or selby a sorry regarding lava logging when i updated my single player world i had the luck or unluck question mark of finding myself in a basalt delta i feel you i feel you selby uh a big issue i've had is the overpopulation of magma cubes i was killed by them i have really enjoyed the new update though especially using beds to mine ancient debris maybe i'm just going about this all wrong uh they killed me too though (laughs) so again maybe not maybe i'm on the right side of this uh love the show thanks selby uh p.s i think lava logging in the nether should be a thing like waterlogging in the overworld herein lies the reason i really chose this email so a question to you sir 
uh, do you think that there was a missed opportunity with an update to how lava works in the nether update? I think potentially. I think lava logging could present some interesting possibilities, but there's also really a difference between the way lava and water work, and it comes down to whether or not you can make infinite sources of lava. Because of the fact that you can have an infinite water source, placing a block in a water source doesn't seem like as big of a deal because, you know, if you place the wrong block in a water source, it's fine. You can create another one. If you place the wrong block in a lava source, you've just deleted that lava source. So I feel like lava logging maybe doesn't make a huge amount of sense from a technical perspective because it requires you to effectively delete that lava source unless you're placing in the right block to begin with. Um, the way I end up waterlogging a lot of stuff is by, you know, I, I get a bucket of water to start off with, and then I waterlog an entire area, and then I just place the blocks in after that. But then because they are blocks that can be waterlogged, they remain waterlogged. So I feel like, I yeah. Think, I think the same could be true for lava. It's It wouldn't be as useful for things like slabs, because then you have a half a block of death instead of a full block of death, which is not not ideal. I do think about it from a technical perspective that would be kind of cool like if you're using it to uh kill villagers or kill something in a farm or making something aesthetic like i really like the idea of having um decorative water in stairs because it's like a half block trough it it looks really cool that way yeah and and i think that having a half block of lava would be a really cool way to decorate things in the nether um i think part of the idea of lava logging or sorry, that part of the appeal of waterlogging is being able to place and see blocks underwater. You can't see anything in lava. Yes, unless yeah. you're unless you're in it with a fire resist poster. And and so, even then, you you're seeing like an extra block or two in front of your face, but really not that much yeah. extra. As as somebody who I I did a little bit of lava diving recently, both in tunneling under the the Nether for ancient debris and also when I was putting together the basalt generator that moves across the surface of a lava lake, creating a bridge. Uh, that's super fun to do. I highly recommend doing that. But you have to chug a lava resistance potion and then a fire resistance potion and then jump into the lava and take out any blocks that might interact with the slime block flying machine because that was under the surface as well. Um, and you could probably build it differently than I did so it would be over the surface instead. But yeah, I had to make sure that it wasn't going to connect to anything otherwise the slime blocks were going to catch and it would stop one half of it and the other half would keep going. So yeah, I... I I did a little bit of lava diving with fire resistance. The effect is really not all that noticeable, except you can see more than one block in front of you, but it's you can literally see one extra block in front of you, and that's it. So yeah. re really not worth lava logging stuff for aesthetic reasons, unless it's on the surface and you want, like, little rivers of fire but then you also yeah. have to you have to consider how does that then interact with the player if it's not a full block can you still step down into it and burn your feet is it like magma blocks where you take like a half point of fire damage right. each time you stand on the block it, yeah. it introduces a lot of stuff that like that block should be superheated from the fact that there is lava in it now but then if mm. it's not going to damage the player that feels like it's inconsistent with the way lava currently works that could that well that could be interesting from like a, a mini game perspective you know like you know uh parkour where things are like the floor is lava or the floor is almost lava like it's like too hot to stand here for very long hope your timing is right because otherwise you're back to the start it, it um, would be it, it would definitely be kind of interesting to have uh inverted stairs in a floor so that you didn't know which blocks were heated and which ones were oh yeah that would be kind of cool it's kind of like that trick where you hide magma blocks under carpet and people wonder why they're suddenly taking damage when they step on the carpet 
Um, so what yeah. About, I mean, um, what about like we've got gilded blackstone in the game where gold is is in the blackstone, right? Like that's one of the new blocks. Yes. Um, what about not gilded, but uh, I guess uh, blocks that could be imbued with lava. I guess that's essentially what magma blocks are. Yeah. I was thinking that it would be nice if you had a different texture where if you instead of water logging the block, if you lava logged, quote unquote, the block, it, it would then take on the properties of magma, but maybe give you a different texture. You know? Sort of magmatic blackstone or something like that. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can, I can see that working out. I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea. <laughs> Not that I was super <laughs> against it to begin with, but yeah, I, t- yeah. I tend to maybe take a devil's advocate kind of perspective and wonder why they haven't implemented that stuff in the first place. Yeah. It's a fun idea, Selby. Thanks for the email. Definitely. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, bedrock challenge that i've been doing just briefly while we wrap up the the show here um i think the nether survival challenge is definitely worth doing and in fact i would almost go so far as to say that this is the intended experience for this update is the early game look at the nether because the whole point of the nether update was making the nether feel like a place where you could do the survival game you know you you have access to wood stone iron, gold, diamond, and now netherite all in the same dimension. You can do the tool progression without ever having to go to the overworld. There are better sources of food. There are things you can trade with. It feels like a much more complete experience, especially when you're in the early game. I feel like the problem people are having with things feeling overpowered is more often than not, they are at end game already, and it comes naturally to them to want to progress all of the new mechanics to the extent where they've already got everything in the overworld. Already got some super powerful mob farms in the overworld, make a super powerful mob farm in the nether to keep up with the stuff that you're already doing in the overworld. You skip over the early game experience of trying to scrounge what you can from the nether without having elytra or anything like that. And I I feel like folks like Hermitcraft who have set up their server in 115.2 and then upgraded to 116 are going to have a completely different experience when they start up their next season of Hermitcraft, and then they have to go through the current nether to get to all of the stuff that's required for progression, you know, blaze rods and stuff like that. Finding a nether fortress when you don't have the ability to fly around is a very different experience now. So I feel like the nether survival challenge has taught me something about bartering and that it feels properly balanced when you're scrounging gold from your environment and hand-delivering it to the piglins instead of farming it en masse and automating it with redstone. It's balanced for the early game, but not for the late game, kind of like Mm -hmm. I said earlier. And people have also suggested, as as far as balancing bartering going, introducing a bartering GUI, um, because of that being the, the reason that you can't necessarily trade OP levels with villagers, uh, being because... You don't just throw emeralds on the ground for them and they chuck stuff back at you. There has to be individual interactions. It slows the whole process down. But for me, something like that, um, the GUI is kind of implying that you have a dialogue with that villager. You have a shared language and they are offering you a trade verbally. It's a, it's an in-game way of expressing it in a game that doesn't have any actual dialogue. Um, and the piglins aren't meant to be that, right? The piglins are meant to be a primitive civilization. They just grunt at you and throw stuff on the ground. It... I feel like adding a GUI removes something of their character, the the kind of flavor that you have of the piglins, um, and just makes them too much similar to villagers, which I, th- I think kind of ruins the point. But um, the vibe of the nether is so much easier to get, and it's, it's so much easier to feel scared by the nether when you are entering it for the first time. I think you had this experience yourself of like, oh, 
no, I've spawned in a, a soul sand valley and the nearest thing is a basalt delta. I'm clearly going to die, you know? Like oh, the, yeah. No, the, it, it was a soul sand valley the size of Canada and a basalt delta donut. Like exactly, it was, yeah. It was rough. The, the, the sense of foreboding that you now get when you enter the nether, it's combined with the, you know, the ambient sound and all of the stuff that we have definitely praised on this show in previous episodes, um, really adds to the experience now. Um but going through the tool progression really gives you a better sense of what was intended for this update because suddenly you're really happy that you can get wood in the nether, not necessarily to build houses out of and to use as a resource in that sense and to farm loads of that so that you can trade it with your server mates, but you're really happy that you have something that you can use as a light source when you can't make torches because you can get shroom lights from these things and you're really happy to actually have something you can make a wooden pickaxe out of if you start in the nether with nothing. And so I feel like the nether survival experience is really something people need to give it a go. Uh, there are commands that you can use to teleport yourself directly into the nether when you start in a Java edition world. I'm sure somebody will make a data pack at some point if they haven't made one already that will start you off in the nether um, or, or a game rule that they can implement or something like that that will, will allow you to start off that way. Um, but it's as simple as executing a teleport command that teleports you into the nether. There are very easy ways of doing that. Um, but this nether spawn add-on that I'm using basically does that for you in bedrock edition which is is pretty cool having blackstone have a new purpose because of needing it for tools definitely i think softens the idea for me of like well this is an aesthetic block i'm not going to do very much with because suddenly it has a purpose again if you're using it in the early game to make stone tools unfortunately by most people's time entering the nether for the first time unless you immediately made a bucket out of the first iron that you found in the overworld and started to make uh, you know, a nether portal using the bucket method, you're probably going to have better than stone tools anyway, and you probably won't need to craft more stone tools while you're in the nether. But if you're one of those people who likes to enter the nether in the really early game, that seems like a, a worthwhile proposition to have the, the access to those tools. And if you're planning on starting a, a nether survival base where you set a respawn anchor and you basically live in the nether, then you might need to restart your tool progression somewhere. It might be worth doing. I personally really like the dynamic of the nether when you look at it from a purely survival perspective now and it's something that that's been hidden from me by having a two-year-old survival world that i've brought forward into the nether update at this point so starting fresh and starting in the nether has really given me a different perspective on this update that is worth looking at i really think it is i think that's that's part of what they wanted to do with this update to begin with and i would not be surprised if you saw more people doing like a nether survival series on youtube or you know just just trying starting out in the nether and seeing how easy it is to survive uh for for the first place I've, I've also discovered a couple of things about this update that i didn't know like you cannot turn warped and crimson stems into charcoal because the wood doesn't burn and so that was an interesting prospect huh. at first because i was like i can't make torches what do i do <laughs> um and it's not like you need to light up too much about the nether anyway but my first light sources were shroom lights because I couldn't craft torches until I had some means of making coal, which is an interesting proposition. Now you can make soul campfires because you need three sticks, three logs, and some soul sand or soul soil, which you can get quite easily. And the piglins will throw that at you if you barter them, but it's still... Yeah, it, it, is, it is kind of interesting. You, you have to start thinking about, if I want coal, I'm going to have to go and kill some wither skeletons. <laughs> and you think, well, that's, that's stopping me from making torches now. 
Uh, and so you, you have to completely rewire your brain to exist with the materials that you can get in the nether instead of the ones you can get in the overworld. Right. Because you can still, you still have fuel because the, the hyphae turns into wood. So you can get sticks and you can burn the wood, but you can't burn the logs, like the hyphae logs, right? Yes, I'm fairly certain uh, that's the way it works. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you cannot turn those into charcoal to begin with. Also, if you make a soul campfire, you can use that to cook food. <laughs> so you can always, you can cook pork chops on that if you kill some hoglins. But then killing hoglins is kind of difficult because you can't craft a shield without bartering with piglins to get iron. And, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing just becomes yeah. a, a very different experience. Like, I have just had to raid a bastion to get iron because the piglins... My next question was, like, have you raided anything? Yeah. Yeah, I raided a bastion. The, the, the cool thing about bastions, thankfully, is that you'll find iron in the chests there, and you have to block off the entire room around you so that when you open the chest, the piglins don't get in. Um, but the majority of the time, they calm down after about 15 seconds anyway, and if you block off the room entirely and they don't have line of sight to you, opening a chest is not a problem. Um, breaking the chest is a problem, but opening it is not, from what I can tell. Uh, nice. So so again, I'm learning that side of things, where previously I would just drain the entire thing with a hopper. Can't make a hopper without iron. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm having to defend myself with stone tools and leather armor that I've bartered from these piglins. The first thing I did was make a set of gold boots, because I was not going to be fighting every piglin that I saw. Um, yeah. But again, having to have gold as a, a necessary armor item is is a really interesting dynamic that this update brings. Um, and to remind people, gold has the highest enchantment probability on... Uh, if you get to the point where you actually have an enchantment table, you get better enchants on gold armor than you do anything else. Here is a fun thing that I realized that unfortunately was... My, my hopes were dashed, but if you traded enough soul, uh, soul speed books from piglins and had a grindstone to disenchant them, you can make a bookshelf and therefore an enchanting setup without the need to farm sugarcane, which you can't do in the nether because there's no water and no access to sugarcane. Unfortunately, you can't make a grindstone without access to stone. And that is the bottleneck because unfortunately you don't have access to stone in the nether and blackstone cannot be used to make a grindstone. You need a stone, a natural stone slab to make a grindstone. So I'm really, right. hope, I'm really hoping that they add in, in much the same way that you can make a brewing stand out right. of blackstone. Yep. I kind of want them to be able to make a grindstone out of a blackstone slab as well. Or maybe like a polished like blackstone polished slab. Polished blackstone slab, add an extra crafting step or something to it. But yeah, basically replacing anything in the overworld that you used cobble or stone for and have it be either blackstone or polished blackstone. That, I mean, that would make sense, yes. given the track record that they have with blackstone being used for tools and stuff like that. Yeah, but because then I could stay in the nether and have fully enchanted gear as well, whereas right now I think the only enchantment I have is because a piglin gave me some soul speed iron boots. But then again, yeah, there's, there's so many little details about this. It's almost like playing modded Minecraft again, where you have to kind of rewire your brain as for what the next steps are, what the next set of materials is. It's like playing Sky Factory, where suddenly you have to go through several different steps just to get dirt. You know, there's, there's, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of different challenges present here that I think are really interesting and new. And it, it, I like that idea better than grinding in the overworld like I did to go into the nether to find it just stops you. And then you have to go back to grinding in the overworld, which is not new content. Like it's just like, oh, so you're just, it's forcing me to do more stuff that I've already done. Whereas this sounds like it's a much more fresh experience. Yeah, I recommend it. I honestly do. Anybody who is trying it at home, 
uh, definitely email the show. Let us know what your experience was because I would love to hear from more people who are giving this a try. And if you're interested, of course, I've got the series on my channel right now. It's going to be going all week. Uh, I'm, I'm aiming for every day of the week I upgrade my tools. So I started off with nothing, ended up getting wood by the end of the episode. Uh, I got it basically early in the episode, but I ended the episode with wood tools. The next episode I get stone. After that, I'm aiming for iron. After that, I'm going to try and find diamond. And I think diamond is going to be a case of raiding bastions and nether fortresses and hoping I get lucky with loot chests. Um, but then from there, of course, I can upgrade my diamond gear into netherite. And only when I get netherite stuff Am I going to be able to build myself a nether portal and get home? Uh, of course, if you trade with piglins, they will give you obsidian and fire charges, so enough piglin bartering you can get yourself home with nothing but a wooden pickaxe, because you can still mine nether gold ore with a wooden pickaxe. But I think it's kind of fun to stick around in the nether and see if you can go through the entire stages of tools until, you, uh, until you're able to get home. Worth a try anyway. And if you, like I said, if, if people at home want to give that a try, email the show and let us know how it went. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for today, though. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in by, by visiting patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. You can join our community of 190 patrons, and pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, where you can now listen in to the show as it is recorded live. We've had a big increase in patrons from last week, as Joel mentioned at the top of the show. Big thanks to everyone who's hopped on board, and special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons, Cameron Segelski, Green Account, Hanuk, J.D. Williamson, Yakov Nastin, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's 100% free to just tell friends about the Spawn Chunks and where they can listen. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Spawn Chunks. Personal recommendations are by far the best way, of course, to tell your friends about my about uh, the Spawn Chunks. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube basically wherever you can find a podcast, leave us a star rating on the Apple Podcast app. It's one of the other ways that you can support the show. It's free to do that as well. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, mostly gathering ancient debris these days, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on most social media. The Citadel Cafe is my podcast all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can look for my chat with Brock at Vola later on this week. And you can follow me at twitch.tv slash joelduggan, where I'm going to be playing Minecraft and Satisfactory and Borderlands 3 and Minecraft again. You'll get the idea. See you then. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but it looks small from the right angles.